humans, hello humans, hello humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug, Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950. I'm talking to you from the bunker in Eden Prairie. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy 2022. It is a new year. Um, it is a sub-zero year so far. Um, um, where I live in Victoria, negative 20 this morning at 715 And uh, by all accounts, not only will it be a cold year to start, but by all accounts, 2022 will be a pivotal year. I guess more on that as we go forward in the year. It's also 2022, the fourth year of this show. Um, Believe it or not, uh, we celebrate our fourth anniversary of being on the air today, January 8th. 2022, we started on January 8th, 2018. That was our very first episode. Very first aired on January 8th of 2018. Wow. And it's certainly been quite the journey, okay? Um, And on that note, we have a great show. Uh, The big interview is with Kelsey Waits, the mother of an eight-year-old non-binary child uh, whose story has been chronicled by CNN and other major news outlets. Uh, she had been running for re-election to the school board in Hastings, Minnesota, when a group of people outed her transgender, excuse me, her non-binary child, Kit. Um, and Kelsey will share about that experience and how it has shaped her view of America today. Um, you will not want to miss that interview. And in my C block, I'm going to be talking about having spoken to some folks in Hastings and some other things. But as we always do, let's start with our featured idealist. Joe Madison. He's a 72-year-old black radio host who's presently engaged in a hunger strike, vowing that he won't eat solid foods until Congress passes voting rights laws. Now, I'm going to guess that some of you um, are familiar with the name Joe Madison, but I'm going to guess that most of you are not. Um, Frankly, I um, had not heard of him until... I heard about his hunger strike. Joy Reid on MSNBC has interviewed him a number of times. And uh, he was inspiring. And as soon as I heard him speak, I knew I was was listening to an idealist. Here is a brief synopsis of uh, Joe Madison's story. To begin with, Joe Madison grew up in Dayton, Ohio. He graduated from public school there and then went on to Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, while he was at WashU, he was an all-conference running back. And then he was also, he's a man of all seasons because he was a baritone soloist in the uh, university concert choir. After getting a BA in sociology from Washington University, Joe Madison went to Detroit, where at age 24. Now, we hear this very frequently about our idealists that they start very young doing things. And at age 24, Joe Madison became the executive director of the NAACP's Detroit branch. And Joe Madison, he has the distinction of being the youngest person ever made an NAACP branch director. In 1978, Benjamin Hooks, um, who led the NAACP at the time, appointed Joe Madison to be the NAACP's national political director. And it appeared that Joe Madison was poised to create a career in political activism, um, working for the NAACP and other organizations. But then his career took a sea change. Uh, um, And he became a DJ at a Detroit radio station in 1980. 
He then went on to other radio stations, including WOLAM in Washington, D.C. And from there, in, in building up a base, building up his repertoire, um, you know, only something literally that Ellie Krug could ever dream of doing, but Joe Madison did it. And in 2013, he began a show on Sirius XM on channel 126, Urban View, is the name of the show. He continues to have that show, even up till now, from 5 to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time every day. Joe Madison's signature approach to radio has been to ask listeners who complain about injustice to ask them, quote, what are you going to do about it? Thus, his focus has always been on, uh, been to take action, to not simply be a bystander. And here's the way he talks about it. Um, quote, as all of you know, my show is action-oriented. It personifies taking action. I always say, what are you going to do about it? And for me, it's not just a slogan. It's what drives me and inspires me, unquote. Those are the words of an idealist. For Joe Madison, his way of taking action has been to go on hunger strikes. It's one of the ways he's done that. In the 1990s, he launched a hunger strike uh, to protest slavery in South Sudan. In the 1980s, he fasted during a cross-country march for uh, dignity in South Africa. He's also been engaged in a number of marches and raising public support for various causes, like helping to raise $30,000 from his listeners so that comedian Dick Gregory could get a Hollywood star. But it is his current hunger strike, which began on November 8th, which is presently testing his idealism. He announced on that day that he would take no solid food until the Senate passes and President Joe Biden signs the Freedom to Vote Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. As Joe Madison said in a January 4th interview with uh, Cortland uh, Malloy in the Washington Post, quote, this is not a time for business as usual. The way I see it, we are coming to the end of the second reconstruction in this country. And the voting rights gains of the 1960s are under attack, just like they were under attack in the post-Reconstruction era following the Civil War. You may remember that, uh, audience members. Um, They took the federal troops out of uh, the South in 1878. And after that, white supremacy reigned again. Joe Madison goes on to say, the first time it was the Ku Klux Klan. This time, it's James Crow Esquire and the Proud Boys. They are relentless. We need everybody on the battlefield for this one, unquote. Wow. For the record, as the Washington Post reported um, from the Bremen Center in 2021, now get this, will you just pause and make sure you listen to these numbers, if you would, please. In 2021... There were 440 bills seeking to restrict voting rights introduced into 49 states. That's last year. All of that funneled down to 19, right? So a fifth of the country, 19, well, more than that, that's, yeah, 20% of the country, actually passing 34 laws that voted, that restricted voting access. So we've got 19 states who last year, Passed 34 laws, make it more difficult for people to vote. And by the way, the people that makes it difficult to vote are not people that are white and skin color. 
Joe Madison's hunger strike is having effect. He's gone from 194 pounds to 171. That's since he started the strike on November 8th. He started to need a walking stick to steady himself. He's been experiencing insomnia, dizziness, nausea, and chills. As Joe has said, I called it basic, quote, I called it basically starving for voting rights. And that began on this date. And I repeat, just as food is necessary to sustain life, the right to vote is necessary to sustain democracy. Yes, my life matters. My health matters. But our right to vote matters more. Unquote. Think about that, will you? Oh, by the way, I should mention... uh, Joe Madison is a cancer survivor. He's battled cancer in his life. So he is putting himself at risk. He is, he is doing something. He is, I mean, you know, uh, behind this radio, you know, microphone, you kind of wonder whether the words are good enough, and I actually know they're not, um, and he's actually a wonderful role model for me and for other people in this industry. Um, but he is putting his life at risk because he believes that we need to have federal law protecting voting rights. And, and listeners, we do. You know, the Shelby, um, uh, the, uh, the Shelby case where uh, the Supreme Court decided that uh, there no longer needed to be pre-approval for uh, voting rights laws, uh, Shelby versus Holder, um, it did, that has just decimated our country. And we are, we, we, we are at great, great risk. Okay, so going forward, Please remember this idealist, Joe Madison. I sure hope that his protest, his self-starvation, isn't in vain. I sure hope that. I will tell you that. I sure hope it. But frankly, I am worried that it will be all for naught. I am not at all optimistic that we will get the filibuster eliminated for a voting rights bill vote. I'm not optimistic at all. We shall see, of course. And it very well may be that our democracy's fate depends on it. So, okay, there you go. Joe Madison, um, check him out on Sirius. I mean, of course, continue to listen to AM 950, (laughs) but by all means, check him out uh, follow his uh, hunger strike. That's the at least the least that you can do. <clears throat> and uh, let's hope that uh, let's hope that he succeeds. Okay. All right. When we come back from the big break uh, or from this break, we're going to do the big interview with Kelsey Waits. Trust me, um, you will want to hear it. Listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie Two Part Radio on AM nine fifty. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. All right. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Never 
And we're back on Ellie 2.0 Radio, AM 950. So, check out Joe Madison if you haven't uh, done that before. Um, a true idealist. And now, for the big interview, I have another extraordinary true idealist. I have on the line with me, uh, Kelsey Waits. Kelsey, are you there? I am. Kelsey, thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. And... Let me just, if I can, quickly bring the audience up to date. I know many of the members of the audience will be familiar with your name and your story, but since this uh, podcast goes out across the world, I think that maybe we should do that. Kelsey, you are the mom of an eight-year-old uh, human who identifies as a transgender or non-binary. That you're non-binary. Non-binary. Yep. Okay, we want to make sure we have that right. And you're, um, you were um, formerly living in Hastings, Minnesota uh, with your husband and uh, your young eight-year-old human and uh, also another child. You were on the school board. You were the president of the school board in Hastings. You ran for re-election this past summer. And in the course of that election, a group of people who opposed uh, your continuation on the school board um, outed your your young human, your non-binary eight-year-old. They, they outed the fact that you had that, that child and they outed the fact that the child was non-binary and that created quite a controversy in Hastings. And I'm going to just summarize very quickly here, but your campaign um, as a result suffered and you did not um, get reelected to the school board in Hastings. Do I have all of that right? Yep, that is all correct. And it was the, 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 the problem with all of that, of course, is that it raised safety concerns for you and your family, and eventually you had to move. I mean, literally, your family had to sell a house that you loved in Hastings and move away. Do I have that right? Yes. Um, that, was a really, that was a really difficult choice for us. Um, but I had already known where a number of people in our neighborhood stood on LGBTQ issues, given my role uh, in politics. And once we were outed, uh, it just did not feel safe anymore. Okay. All right. Kate, uh, Kelsey, I want to just say before we go any further, I feel so incredibly bad that this happened to you and your family and, 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 and I, I'm just so sorry that it did. But I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted, I wanted people to understand something that happened this week between you and me. Um, and, and we were together at an event. And I wanted people to hear from you, Kelsey, about where you are right now and what you have taken away from that experience that I just laid out. And so please add to the story um, that I've, you know, that I've shared so far with the audience, add what you think that you need to for context and tell us how is that sitting with you today in January of 2022? So I think, to be honest, I have good days and bad days with how it's sitting with me. Some mm -hmm. days are, are good. Some days are, are not quite there. Um, it's been painful. It's been a painful number of months. Um, you know, my child was outed to a group of about 500 parents on Facebook, and they were 500 parents who had already been hostile towards me as chair of the school board, uh, given the masking decisions that 
schools were making this past summer. And so it was really not a safe group to be outed to. And even if it weren't a safe group, you know, this is something so private in an individual's life um, that it, it was always, it was Kit's story to share. It was our story to share. It was no one's business but ours. Um, and to have it weaponized in that way and to have Kit's identity politicized, um, it, was, it was a huge betrayal um, for me and not just from the people who did it, but from the hundreds of people that were in that group and saw what was happening and chose to say nothing. Um, even though I did receive notes from a couple people privately saying they were disgusted, but they wouldn't put anything public. They wouldn't stand up. And that hurt just as much. And so... Yeah, we had taken our story public because our story isn't unique. Um, we recognize that um, transgender people, LGBTQ people, they're outed frequently. Their identities are politicized frequently, and people need to be aware of the danger in doing that and the harm it causes. And so we chose to share our story so that others didn't have to. And and you did. I mean, your story showed up <clears throat> on CNN on a Sunday uh, morning and then went viral across the country to various uh, different news organizations and outlets. And I know that this is not the very, I mean, you've done multiple media interviews um, with, you know, a number of different sources. Tell, can I ask before we go any further, how is your eight-year-old human kit doing? How are they doing? They're adjusting. Um, it's, I mean, to be expected, our new house is not our old house. Right. Um, you know, in their old bedroom, I had hand painted murals on the walls and it was just, it was filled with so much love and memories and it takes time to build that up in a house. Yep. And so, um, I think that's the hardest part, um, for Kit. Their friends have been supportive, which is fantastic. They were very afraid of that. They cried and cried, thinking their friends would no longer like them because they felt like they had been lying to their friends. And it was a tough conversation to have with an eight-year-old to say, you're not lying to your friends. They know you as Kit. You're Kit. How is that a lie? Um, mm. But there are conversations you have to have with an eight-year-old. So it was hard. But everyone is adjusting. And like myself, we have good days and bad. So. Right, right. And, and <clears throat> you know, and Kelsey, I'm just, again, so sorry about the experience. Let's, but let's talk a little bit about the city of Hastings, okay? You mm -hmm. know, Hastings, for those who don't know, located on the Mississippi River. It's about 35 miles south of the Twin Cities, south, uh, southwest. It's a town of what, about 20,000 people? Yep. A very nice, scenic town. Um, and it's a town that, you know, I have spoken at before. I mean, um, and we'll get to in the next segment about how, what happened, uh, this past week where you and I communicated with each other, but you know, it, I mean, Hastings has always struck me as a town trying to do the right thing, trying to be open and trying to be diverse, but then there's backlash. There's, there's a, an element of reticence in the community. Do you? Do you think I mischaracterized that at all? 
No, I think there is, but I think we also see a lot in Hastings that we see other places that they think making a statement is enough, um, that that's all the work that's needed, rather than recognizing the true work that needs to happen to make a community inclusive. And Hastings has a history of of issues um, generally around uh, racial um, discrimination and harassment and such. Um, But Hastings does have that history, and it's something that people don't want to look at and people don't want to talk about. And I think that does a lot of harm. Um, They would like to keep that idealized picture of themselves without looking deep in to how to fix it. And so I think there are leaders popping up that are wanting to do this work, but I do think that many of the leaders don't understand just how much work it's going to take. Right, right. Okay, well, Kelsey, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, I want to, I want to talk more about your experience in Hastings, but how it has shaped you, because it seems that it's really shaped you even more as an idealist than what you were previously. And, um, and talk about, uh, you know, what, how you and I interacted this week at an event where I, where I spoke. Okay, so okay. give us a break. We're going to take a break. Uh, audience members, we're listening, we're speaking with uh, Kelsey Waits, uh, the mother of an eight-year-old non-binary human who was outed during the course of Kelsey's uh, campaign for re-election to the Hastings School Board. When we come back, we'll speak more with Hastings. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on AM 950. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Um, we're in the midst of the big interview with Kelsey Waits, uh, who um, had a very, very um, horrific experience um, when she was running la- uh, last year in Hastings for re-election to the school board when her eight-year-old non-binary young human um, was outed by community members. Kelsey um, let's go to uh, what happened this week, okay? Now, um, you know, uh, I, th- I think you know this about me. I, I, I am one of those people that when I see that things go on, I, I ask if I can help. And uh, so when your story broke with CNN, um, and frankly, I was not aware of the story. I was not aware of what was going on before the story in CNN. I reached out to um, the YMCA in Hastings, which has previously sponsored me because I was in Hastings two uh, t- uh, two years ago. Last no, you know, in November, yep. um, in November of 2019, I, I went to Hastings to speak because there had been an incident about marginalizing of transgender people, and I went and spoke to 140 people to talk about what it meant to be transgender. And by the way, I thought that that was. Actually, we had a lot of people that were from intolerant communities in the audience, and I thought that it went mm-hmm. extremely well. And so when your story broke, I went to back to my sponsor, um, the YMCA in Hastings, an organization called Thrive Hastings. Could I come and, and help again? And they, they were happy to have me come back. And so what uh, you and I did, and, another, and a number of other people, I had an event where I spoke on Wednesday night, 
um, uh, gave a talk called Bridging the Divide, Bridging uh, the Divide, uh, uh, Perspectives on Grit, Resiliency, and the Four Commonalities, where I talked about how we can get past our divisions. Kelsey, you were in the audience on the Zoom, and so were 109 other people. I mean, it was a big crowd. And um, let me ask you, what, 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 and you spoke early on in that, in that Zoom, and you were so incredibly eloquent. You were. Because you spoke about hope and grit. And Kelsey, I've got to just tell you, when you did that, you set the tonality for the rest of the 90 minutes that I gave that talk. Okay, I, I want you to know that. You set that tone. You were powerful in what you said. So, first question, what did you think of the event? Did you... Did it, did it give you hope? Because I was amazed, I don't know about you, but I was amazed by the number of people who had transgender humans in their lives. They're on that Zoom. Yeah, I, you know, the thing that actually gave me the most hope is I went into the list of participants and there were some names on there that I haven't seen at other events before and that I know have struggled uh, with understanding transgender individuals. Uh, with wanting to support transgender individuals, and I saw their names on there, and they stayed the whole time. Wow. And for me, that spoke volumes, because I know they were there to learn. I reached out to one of them afterwards and actually said, please know that you can contact me if you ever have any questions, because I know that this is something you've struggled with. And I'm here to talk oh. if you ever need someone. And for me, that was, and I know it's, it's because we told our story and to see people that had never wanted to be engaged in this topic before beyond that Zoom on Wednesday gave me a lot of hope. Great. That is, <clears throat> that is the whole point after all, of course, right? Let's mm-hmm. get people to a point where we can engage without running away and without attacking. And by the way, I mean, every, it was, it was a very friendly, I mean, it was all respectful, everything that was said, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I was very impressed by the level of engagement. But you talked about hope, okay? How did this happen? How did, how did hope for you, and I know that you say you have your good days and your bad days, but Kelsey, you understand. I mean, it's rather extraordinary that you have good days, given, mm-hmm. given all that you went through, your family went through, poor Kit went through. How did hope show up? And I, this is so important for our audience right now to hear from you about that. Hope gets me out of bed in the morning. I feel like if I didn't have hope, I don't. I don't know where I would be right now. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what I would be doing. I have to hope. I have to believe that there's a better future. And it's, I think maybe it would be different if it was my own identity, but I feel like it's, it's for my child. I can't give up. This is their future. This is the future of transgender kids. And as I talked about on the meeting on Wednesday, you know, transgender students, almost 50% of them will attempt suicide. Yep. 
and that's five times greater than non-transgender students. And more and more research is showing by supporting these kids, you're saving them. You're, you're saving their lives. And whether that's supporting them at home or if their home isn't supportive, making sure the school yep. environment is supportive, making yep. sure the community is supportive, these kids need to be loved and they need to be loved for who they are, not not based on some societal construct. They just need to be yep. loved and they need to know that they're loved and supported. And I maintain hope because these kids need me to keep hoping, to keep believing that there's something bigger and better because that hope is what moves me to actually try to bring that to life. The belief that it could be better is why we work for it to be better. Right. Kelsey, do you, do you agree with me that there are far more trans and non-binary humans in the world than anybody realizes? Oh, yes. And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, with the rise of the Internet, with increased visibility, people are able to see that so much earlier than they used to, to understand it, yep. to build connections, to survive past puberty <laughs> so that I, I can't even imagine, you know, we know the statistics now for suicide rates. I can't even imagine what it was before, you know, we started um, this increased visibility and support and really raising awareness. It breaks my heart and I have to believe that we're making it better. So, uh, two other questions. Okay. And by the way, I could talk with you for like two hours. I just want you to know that. All right. Um, okay. and, and we will have chats off air. Um, but first question is, um, I saw today on Twitter that you had posted about, um, pausing, uh, your PhD studies because mm -hmm. you need to engage in activism. And so tell me, tell me more about that, if you would. What, what kind of activism are you speaking about, and, and uh, how, far, how close were you to getting uh, your uh, PhD? <laughs> uh, this was going to be my last semester of classes, oh. and then it was going to be you know, working on dissertation, so who knows how long that would have taken. Um, but I guess all of these events have really just had me questioning <clears throat> what I was going to study in school, where do I want to focus, and so I need that time anyway for myself. But I I always knew that there was activism, that I was an activist, and that I would want to be doing this work. And the last couple months have just shown me that my time is now. This is, yep. this is when I can do this work. Um, I don't need to wait until I'm done with my degree. My kid needs me to do this now. Other kids need me to do this now. And that's more important than finishing a degree is working to make this world better. Um, so the PhD will wait, or maybe it won't. Maybe I won't go back. Who knows? Um, but what I know is I'm called for something more right now. <laughs> wow. Okay, so sec the second question, and my audience members always know that this is the last question I ask, or at least close to the last, and that is this, Kelsey. What made you an idealist? Now, 
you were idealistic before this, and maybe I, you know, maybe you don't agree with that. But I mean, you ran for the school board, um, and were you, you were homeschooling your children. Do I have that right? Yeah, Kit wasn't old enough for school, so I was homeschooling my oldest child when okay. I first ran. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But so you went and you decided you were going to get involved with the community. You were going to get on the school board. Mm-hmm. You know what? What? Ha- what made you an idealist in the first place? What happened in your life growing up, or, or what, to make you want to make the world a better place? Yeah, my dad will tell you that I've always been this way. <laughs> um, you know, I talked at the age of twelve about wanting to go to an East Coast school and maybe become president one day and just help everyone. And I think, you know, we grew up in a very income insecure home. My mom was a single mom by the time I was a teenager and she has MS. And so there were a lot of times where she would be hospitalized. And so we'd have hospital bills, but no income coming in. And we received a lot of help. Uh, You know, we had community members come and fix our roof. We had the church bought us groceries, and in fact, my mom had a garage sale and sold some of her favorite belongings to buy me the plane ticket to go to college. <sighs> and so for my whole life, there's been helpers, and the recognition that we don't get anywhere on our own, whether those helpers are visible or invisible, they're there, and there's a support, and I knew then I wanted to support. And my mom asked me when I went for college, she said, Kelsey, just promise me that one day you'll pay it forward. Everything that helped us, everyone who helped us, just promise you'll pay it forward. And that's stuck with me. Um, And so that's that's been my goal. Well, Kelsey, I just want you to know, all right, there is so much paying forward that you've already done, but I can't. You know, I don't know, you know, I barely know you, but I am very confident you will be doing far more paying forward in the years to come. I I feel it in my bones. And I just want you to know, I mean, I'm, you know, however I can ever help you, okay? You know, um, I'm here for you, all right? And I just want you to know, all right? There are so many people that care about you and your family. So many people that just, you know, and you're right, they're afraid to speak up. They're afraid to do things. But remember, I do believe that 98% of all humans have good empathetic (laughs) hearts. I really do. You know, my audience, by the way, has heard me say that frequently. Um, And they they know the other part, about 2% sociopath. But, But listen... Um, just hang in there, okay? And just keep doing and go do what it is that you're doing. All right? I will. Okay. I wish you the best. I wish your family the best. And let Kit know that I said hello, okay? (laughs) I will. Thank you so much for having me on the show today and for just having a conversation. Kelsey. You are wonderful. (laughs) You're very welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so very much. Okay, listeners, uh, that was Kelsey Waits, uh, and I trust that that will be an interview you will not easily forget. When we come back, we're going to do the C-Block. I'm going to talk about some things, and, uh, 
and then that'll be it. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Um, I don't know if you could tell it, but there were a couple of times during Kelsey's interview, um, particularly when she was talking about her young human, uh, that I started to tear up. Um, Kelsey Waits um, is a name that you heard here. You've heard it before this. You will hear it again. Trust me. Kelsey Waits as an idealist, is going to make a difference in this world. So, okay, we're in the C block. We're going to talk about some things. Uh, very first, right off the, off the top, one of my featured idealists, um, early on in the show, that's actually on show, in show 10 on March 12th of 2018, one of, the, one of actually one of my favorite idealists that I've ever featured, Sidney Poitier, um, died. He died yesterday morning. We got word of it. And I did a show on March 12th of 2018 where I highlighted Sidney Poitier because he did something in a movie. Um, in the, uh, the, now, of course, I'm forgetting the title of the movie where he's the private investigator down in Mississippi um, and, and uh, helping the, the very redneck uh, uh, sheriff solve a, a murder. But he, he did something called the slap around the world because he slapped a white man in that movie. And the original script call, uh, didn't call for that. He insisted that he be allowed to s slap the man in the movie. Insisted on it. And it was so um, against taboo. Because black men would never raise a hand to a white man. So Sidney Poitier was a huge idealist. And I mourn his passing. Second thing I want to talk about, you heard uh, Kelsey, uh, you know, talk about me speaking in Hastings. I did. We did a Zoom. Um, we did my Bridging Divides uh, uh, talk, which is about how to get past the divisions, about how we need to be fearless, take some risks, and start talking to each other. <clears throat> we had 110 people on that Zoom. And, uh, and it, I, I, I did not know this until Kelsey just related here on the show that that some of those people had been people who had not been accepting of transgender people, but that they were willing to stay on. And um, it, it, I've got to just tell you, it warmed my heart. Um, and that bridging divides talk, not that I'm any, anybody great, not that it's all that great, but I've got to tell you, either me or other people need to do versions of that talk uh, across America. We do. We need to start talking to each other. We're not going to get there without it. All the money and the new programs, new buildings we want to build, the new initiatives we want to do, none of that, I'm sorry, will matter until we sit down and talk to each other, particularly people in a room who considered each other other, 
who would never, ever talk to them. That's, we need to get all of us in a room talking. What are you afraid of? Have you ever been made to feel other? How did it make you feel? What about the kids? What about protecting them? What kind of a country do we want to give them? All of those kinds of things in a conversation. We have to do that. Lastly, um, you know, my story about Joe Madison has me really wondering what more. I, 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 I do feel that I'm just sitting, sitting idly by as democracy gets taken apart, you know, law by law, statement by statement, lie by lie. I mean, yes, I've got this show. Yes, <clears throat> I reach all 23 of you as my listeners. Um, but there's more, there's absolutely more that I have to do. I've been pondering some things in my head. Um, don't worry, not, not one of them is a, a hunger strike. But stay tuned. I mean, there's, there is something that I am kicking around in my head. And whether I will do that or not, we'll have to see. But I just have to tell you, I am not happy with me. I'm not happy with me because I'm not doing enough action. I mean, Joe Madison, what a role model for me and other radio hosts, other people in broadcasting. So I guess stay tuned on that. But I'd love to hear from you. Email me at lejkrugmail.com. What, what are you going to do to take action? Or are you like me? You're frustrated. I'm not taking enough action. What can I do? I'm thinking about it. Ellie, any ideas? I mean, I just, I am worried, everyone. I am really worried. 2022 is going to be a really, really pivotal year for us. It is. Okay, well, listen, uh, that's another show in the bag, in the can, as we would say professionally here in Radio Land. I want to do a big thanks to my producer, Patrick, who had to do math yet again today, and he does always such a good job for me. And listeners, to you, I want to say, hey, again, Happy New Year. I'm here. Um, hopefully, we just continue to plow ahead. I hopefully, I've got a number of uh, good, uh, big interviews coming up with people, um, so stay tuned for that. Um, go out, do something good for the world, do something to make it better between now and when you hear my voice next, okay? And most of all, have compassion for other humans and for yourself. All right, talk to you next week. Bye-bye.